It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jason, you are relieved of your duties from <laughs> duties. Statement with forthcoming. Welcome to the Touchlines and Touchdowns podcast, the world's first and therefore greatest football football mashup podcast, a geographically limited version of the Touchline Media Group, specifically uh, the South today. I'm your host, Asa, aka The Twig. I'm here with my co-host, uh, Napoleon Gregg, aka The Stump. Um, this episode is brought to you by the Smith Workforce Management Group, as well as whoever Blue Wire decides to put in. We are joined by regular college football panelist, uh, Josh and of course, we are joined by special guest and uh, expert on all things SEC, Garrett Franks. Garrett, how are you? Doing well, man. Doing well. It's a beautiful day down here in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Okay. I, uh, I've i never been to Tuscaloosa. I believe Stumpy has. Josh, I don't know if you ever played there. No, no, never. That's a good probably thing for I was about to say, it's probably a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a good thing, yeah. <laughs> Although, in fairness, during that time frame, that probably would have been a neutral site game. But, like, I, I'm assuming most college football players aren't like, yeah, the one time I went to Tuscaloosa, I had a great time. It's more like yeah. we got our asses kicked up and down the field. I want to get the fuck out of there as soon as I could. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, not one of those, we're not one of those people that, that call out we want them. And nah, that wasn't us. Yeah, you never want that. Do you know how many people we had to tell? Do you know how many like Michigan fans we had to tell like last season? Like they were like, "Yeah, well, I hope we get Alabama in the semifinal, and then we can, you know, hopefully Cincinnati can knock off Georgia." It's like, no, I don't know how to describe this to you. We don't want Bama ever. Like, not qualified. Don't give us Bama until Nick Saban is dead and in the ground, not even retired, because I don't trust that. He has to be in the ground before I'm like, okay, yeah, now I kind of want Bama. 
I'm just like, I'm hoping that, that when Dabo takes over in 2032, um, <laughs> it's, no. it's just like, you know, like his general yes. demeanor. Yes, take your know, medicine, Garrett. Yeah, you, take your no, medicine. You all he will, have to deal with it. <laughs> listen, it's, it's been a thing. It's the Saban has come and won a championship at Bama since 2009. It's always been who's going to follow him up. And, you know, you always have your Dabo truthers, but. Trust me, I, from what I've heard, Dabo will be the first offer because it has to be, but he will, ne- he will never coach at Alabama. I, I will bet my mortgage on that, that he will never coach at Alabama. So today we okay. learned that no. the boosters, hold on, the boosters at Bama are as toxic as Auburn, and that's nice to know. Well, if they win, though, okay, that's first the off, they win, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> first off, that's not possible. There is nobody, <laughs> like, maybe Florida State. Number two, I think what we learned here is that Garrett has a mortgage – which yeah, is more really surprising to me than well, the future mortgage, not not the rent right now for the apartment. Oh, look look at the number three. On wow. <laughs> oh yeah, you think the housing market's gonna just I'm go betting back futures down? right on, now. Man. This is how strongly I feel about it. I'm betting the future on this one right now. Garrett, you're a millennial. I don't know how to tell you this. You're uh, never Gen Z, own a house. Gen Z, I'm twenty one. Yeah. So That's back worse. Off. <laughs> That's worse. Yeah. The rest also, of us are millennials. Also, we already know. <laughs> Wait, I have a, so do, so. Do you think Dabo is going to turn it down? I think Dabo has a big ego, and I think he he knows that following Saban, he, no matter what he do, he he does. He's always going to be compared to Saban. Yeah. And I think why okay. why not why come to Bama when you built something just as big as Bama? You know, you beat Bama twice in the big stage. You, you know, you built something just as big as Bama. Even though I think they're actually going to a downturn turn, and they're not going to be the same Clemson team that they've been in the past. But I still yeah. think like why why that's why. Why leave Clemson? Because you made he it. lost both. He lost both of his coordinators that have basically made him who he was. Like we uh, this year in Clemson is going to tell us a whole lot about about whether Dabo, Dabo is a good head coach or Dabo was good at delegating to his two coordinators. Because I could very easily see, like, I mean, he still got the guys in place, so I don't think there's going to be as big of an issue this year. But like. Next year, he might be back to eight and four in Clemsoning, and all of a sudden, it's like he needs a new job. I don't know I mean, about just, that bad, but I, I yeah. still see I see them not as I still see them as te- you know a team that's going to be contending every type of year, every year, but not every year they're going to be in the playoffs. So like they're going to kind of fall back into that Notre Dame category of a team that they're good and they may make the playoff every two or three years, but they're they're not going to be the same team they once were. That's my opinion, and I think that might bother, bother Dabo honestly more than being an eight and four type team because they know what some- it's like. Somehow that's so disrespectful to both Clemson and Notre Dame. And I'm here for it. Like somehow like, because Notre Dame's like, we're not Clemson. And Clemson's like, we're not Notre Dame. Well, I think that I think there's going to be a role reverser. Like, I think they're going to yeah. be a role reverser. I love Marcus Freeman. Marcus Freeman might be my favorite coach in college football right now. Honestly. Do you know how, you know, you know how aggravating it is to be from the Midwest and have Notre Dame have a likable coach? Oh, for it's, now, it's rare. Bullshit. For now. For now. <laughs> For now, yeah. yeah. It's never happened. Like, that's not I'm true. okay with Tyrone it. Willingham was cool. Willingham was cool. Tyrone Willingham likeable, was cool. Though. He yeah, was he's cool, but he wasn't likable. Like, yeah, I but he, did, he had no personality. Y'all didn't like Charlie Weiss? I mean, I love Charlie no. Weiss. <laughs> <laughs> I like what Charlie Weiss did for the Notre Dame program. I don't like Charlie Weiss as a person. <laughs> I mean, Charlie Weiss is sort of my goal in life, right? Fail miserably and be a multimillionaire. Right? I mean, <laughs> and get super fat. Yeah. Get a broadcasting gig. Honestly, I think the hardest part of that for Asa would be getting super fat. It actually would be. Like, yeah. like, like grifting into it. 
um, making millions while failing into it, putting on significant amounts of weight. Eh, I mean, on today of all days, anyways, um, <laughs> I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it, dude. Anyways. Um, I was so, making fun of you for being uh, gluten intolerant. <laughs> Oops. Sorry. Great. Thanks. I'm not intolerant. I have celiacs. I'm, my, 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 my disease is not a lifestyle choice. Um, I, I'm actually going to say this real quick. If you don't eat gluten and you say, oh, I have a gluten sensitivity. I hate you. I hate you. Okay. <laughs> I have it like, like you don't have a gluten insensitivity. You just feel better when you're not drinking beer and eating pizza. Don't talk to me. Anyways, <clears throat> I'm in a good mood today. I'm, I'm keeping it light. I'm keeping it happy. Uh, today is a good day. No, it's not. Anyways. All right. So we are here to preview the SEC. Um, and because uh, one of us is a, um, uh, resident of the state of Texas, which has zero SEC teams, as everybody knows, uh, and never has. Uh, and two of us are uh, from the Midwest. Um, we know nothing about the SEC because there's no network that, that devotes most of its time to talking about the SEC. And um, the, the focus of the sport is certainly not overwhelmingly upon the SEC. So, Garrett, this is the game we are going to play. Okay. What we are going to do is the three of us are assigned one of the uh, there, there are 12 teams in the SEC because certainly. Oh, uh, yeah, 12. Yeah. 12. Certainly, certainly Texas A&M and Missouri make no, no sense to be in the SEC. So certainly there are 12 teams in the SEC. Um, or Arkansas. I'm cool with Arkansas in the SEC. Arkansas like, I, culturally fits well with the SEC. Yeah. Like, like, I, like if the Southwest. Oh, but Mizzou doesn't? Okay. No, Missouri does, Missouri does not. Missouri not does whatsoever. Not. Whatsoever. Missouri is shitty Arkansas. Missouri is shitty Arkansas. Yeah, no, 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 no. So, so here's yeah, the yeah, problem. Yeah, no, you, you need to accept responsibility for your redheaded Missouri stepchild. <laughs> I mean, the only reason. Black and gold, that, whatever. <laughs> the only reason why I say that that Missouri doesn't uh, have the the cultural fit of a SEC team is because um, they lose to Big Ten teams when they play them, and traditionally SEC teams beat Big Ten teams. So uh, shout out Indiana for constantly beating Missouri. Um, that's right; it's an SEC preview, and we are going to point out that the team that has more SEC East division titles than South Carolina has lost to Indiana twice in football, in the 2000s, in football. Shout out Missouri. Anyways, um, so what we're going to do is, is, is I'm going to assign teams to our three uh, non-SEC panelists, and we are going to say three things we think about that school. Now, we're not going to include Alabama because most of us know something about Alabama, and we're not going to include Georgia because Stetson Bennett IV is somehow three things on his own. Um, but the rest of the schools, I'm going to tell you right now, I know a lot about college football. I spend a lot of time thinking about it. If you told me uh, that Emory Jones was the starting quarterback at Florida this year, I would have said yes prior to about 10 minutes ago. Because 10 minutes ago, I learned that he does he is not enrolled at the University of Florida. So we are going to start with, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that this is random, but it's not. I have a list in front of me. Uh, and I'm going to start with... Um, a school that belongs more in the SEC probably than any other school, both from a, you know, it's a, it's a public institution that serves the, the Southern uh, areas. It's um, culturally obsessed with football. Um, it is not in a city that is known for anything else. Uh, Josh, what do you know about Vanderbilt? 
<laughs> I know that they're historically awful at football. Um, <laughs> no notes. And, and I, yeah, no, this is just straight off the straight off the dome here, just vibing out. So um, yeah, Vanderbilt is uh, historically not good at football, but they do like to flaunt their academic prowess um, whenever they can. Um, this year, I envision Vanderbilt being exactly who I think they are. And um, I wouldn't say overachieving or underachieving, but achieving exactly what we believe they will, which is nothing. Um, <laughs> so um, I, I, I have almost no expectations for for Vanderbilt in this football season. And I mean, I might be wrong. You know, they might have something cooking up there, but um, if they do, it, the smell's not getting getting to me over here. I'm not smelling it. Garrett, what do you think about that? I mean, that's probably a fair assessment. I mean, I was going through their, <laughs> I was going through their schedule and I was, having, I was stretching saying, okay, maybe they win two games. It's so crazy. You know, Clark Lee, the guy who came from Notre Dame, had he stayed there another year, who knows? We can talk about Clark Lee as the Notre Dame head coach, and now he's at Vanderbilt. So the guy really just failed in the worst possible sense here. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not so, you know, it's easy to be doom and gloom about Vanderbilt, but I I like Clark Lee. I actually do like Clark Lee. I think he's a decent ball coach. It's just Vanderbilt's a really hard job. Resources are very limited there. Them being an AAU school, it's hard to get students in there. It's hard just logistically to get walk-ons. I think they only average about 15 to 16 walk-ons a season. They don't have priority registration for athletes. It's just a tough job in general. It is tough to just convince a kid who's even like a mild three-star to choose them over a Memphis, over a um, Western Kentucky, just because they can offer so much more in the sense of prioritizing their athletes that you can't at Vanderbilt. Um, Ken Seals comes back, you know, coming back off a, a okay freshman year, I guess you could say. I mean, you can't really say anything's good at Vanderbilt. So, I mean, what's, I mean, they'll finish bottom of the East. That, that, that's the one team. If like, you know, if they just automatically blimped from the SEC, which could be a possibility in the next 15 years, I would, I would, oh, like, okay, cool. Like baseball suffers a little bit, even then who cares? It's not generating a lot of revenue. So, yeah. so here, here is uh, the two things that I want to say about Vanderbilt before we move on. One, uh, Stumpy is contractually obligated to support them. Um, so, uh, not. Sure you are. And second, and somewhat more importantly, uh, actually, there, there are three things. That, 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 yeah, right. Uh, the second thing is, is you'll remember that last year, uh, Vanderbilt played against Connecticut in football yeah. and won by two. <laughs> Connecticut is the worst team in, 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 in FBS by far. Maybe the worst team in FCS. I'm not sure they didn't play enough FCS teams. They're bad. And Vanderbilt won at home by two. So when Garrett says, I looked through their schedule and saw two wins, I am going to put you on the spot because I see maybe one because you don't just go to Hawaii these days. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Hawaii uh, fired what's-his-face. It's like, Timmy they're Changer. Like, they're... Timmy Changer, don't care. <laughs> is he the head, he's the head coach now? Timmy Chang is the head coach of Hawaii, yeah. They're, they're back. Like two months? I mean, I assume he's going to be there for 17 years because why? No, no, no. He's been in the job oh, for yes. two months. Approximately two months, yes. I mean, because what's, which, which, who, it was, who was it? Todd Graham. It was uh, Todd Graham. Todd Graham's own son went to the Regents and was like, yo, he's an asshole. Like, you need to fire him. And it's like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Todd Graham, uh, not great. 
I mean, that game, though, at Hawaii on August 27th, the whole week before football really starts, is the most sickos committee game ever. Like, I will fully be there live <laughs> tweeting, overanalyzing every single thing from a third string DB on special teams. I think they beat Elon. I think that I, I know that's hard. It's sometimes a stretch to say, but it's that Vanderbilt. They, they lose to Elon. They got a lot of problems. <laughs> and I'm just going to chalk up a win. I'm going to chalk up a win to either at Northern Illinois or Hawaii. They don't win both. I. I, I think Northern Illinois is a much better team, so I'm going to have to give it to Hawaii. Two wins. I think two wins may be a good year for them, honestly. And maybe they sneak a close game with like Missouri or, or you know, Florida. Who knows? Garrett, Garrett, I just like to point out that you are wholly buying into the ESPN uh, SEC bias there because if you think Vanderbilt has a chance – Against Northern Illinois, my friend, you need to go up to the Midwest for a little while. That Listen, I love some action. I have deep Dick respect and reverence <laughs> for the action. I'm not saying they're. I I have that one as a loss for them, but no, I I. It's just funny to think an SEC team just getting beat up by a MAC team. I can. I just want to watch Greg Sankey's reaction to it. That's what I would think. <laughs> Like Greg Sankey's like making calls like Belmont, like, you know, maybe we can get y'all with a football team or, you know, they're making calls. I, I imagine he'd be very frantic, but no, yeah, two wins is probably a good year for him. I was going to say, Kevin, uh, Kevin Warren is largely at least based on like the business model, doing a good job as a big time uh, commissioner so far. However, if I were the Big Ten commissioner, my first move would be to trade Northern Illinois for Rutgers as quickly as I could. Just be like, no, 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 Rutgers, you can be, you can be in the Mac. That's more, that's more your speed. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna move on for Vanderbilt, um, who just signed their best class in their program's history. I'm sorry, I thought we were only gonna talk about the SEC championship champions in this episode. Uh, they also lost last year to East Tennessee State at home by like thirty. Thirteen. Yeah, it was thirty. Yeah, twenty. Twenty. 20. Uh, Twenty-three to twenty-three to three. So shout out Clark Lee. Um, sometimes it's not great to immediately chase the bag just mm-hmm. sometimes you can wait a year it's fun <laughs> uh anyways let's talk about the worst team in the west stumpy i'm i'm, I'm giving you a gift here because i didn't i didn't let you take vanderbilt i'm going to give you the team that that <clears throat> this list has as finishing last in the sec west and wait you, you get... didn't want to hear the self-loathing because that's usually my best quality work <laughs> oh this is going to be much better this is going to be okay. much better because you know what's better than self-loathing? Whomping. I don't know who else is in the West. Mm-mm. Think about this. You get to talk about the most dysfunctional team in college football. The most dysfunctional team in college is football. Is it LSU? It's Auburn. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so Auburn, which is so bad that Derek Mason, speaking of Vanderbilt, Derek Mason took a pay cut to go hang out and deal with Mike Gundy in Stillwater, Oklahoma. That is how fucked up the Auburn boosters are. This is phenomenal. They also chased Bo Nix out, which shout out Bo Nix because somebody, I think it was, was it the Sickos Committee or um, College Football on Reddit that posted the, the quarterbacks matrix? And I saw quarterback matrix, and the first thing I thought was, Bo Nix is chaotic evil, or we riot. And, of course, Bo Nix was the first one under chaotic evil. I don't really – like, there's not much to say about Auburn because they're boring, and they're, like – the only interesting stuff comes when they occasionally fall ass backwards into a win against Alabama. Um, Sorry, Garrett, but, like, the kick six was pretty dope. Other than that – Oh, no, it was. It was. Yeah. Other than that, the only, 
the only interesting parts about Auburn is when they're shooting themselves in, you know, the foot, the thigh, the dick, whatever, whatever body part you want to describe. Like they, they it's basically like a, they, they used to cycle through fire gusts and extend gust years. Now it's just like, which body part are we going to shoot ourselves in? And God willing, I think the most interesting thing that Auburn could do this year is to rehire Gus. Before, which before I have seen, I've seen floated as an actual like suggestion. Before, before I, before I kick it over to Garrett for actual preview of Auburn. Um, Auburn did the funniest possible thing this year uh, at the quarterback position because when Bo Nix left, they were literally went to college football and said, "What quarterback just beat Alabama? Can we get him?" And they did. They did go out and get Zach Calzada from Texas A&M. <laughs> Which is just phenomenal work, Brian Harson. You definitely are going to be in the job in October. Garrett. Oh my God, I forgot Brian Harson's the head coach. Did they ever <laughs> figure out whether or not he's in a cult? Cult? Was it was it Scientology or Mormonism? Which one was he? It was Scientology, right? Bama fans floated that he was a Scientologist. It's not true. He's not a Scientologist, but it was uh, a joke. Uh, Bama can fans. you prove that? Allegedly. Can you prove that? Yeah, it's the same joke. It's the same joke that Jared Stidham has a tail, and the same joke that Bonix has like four children. It's all started from some fake burner Bama account. But it's okay. So but funny. out of the three of those, out of the three of those, two of them are very believable, and one of them is Jared Stidham has. A yeah, Jerison does have a tail, so <laughs> confirmed. <laughs> no, I mean, Auburn, I mean, take away the booster stuff away, because, like, what happened to Brian Harson is just terrible. And he honestly, I, I'm, you know, it's weird to say this is a guy who goes to the University of Alabama. I'm rooting for him just from a human perspective because of how dirty the Auburn boosters did him. But take away that. Let's talk about Auburn just as a job. Auburn, your, your big brother is Alabama, who's winning national championships at a historic rate, which we've never seen. Your neighbor to your right is Georgia, who just beat that team and you know, Alabama, one of the greatest dynasties in college football. Let's just call it what it is. You're playing the Georgia, who's basically the mini version of that with Saban's predecessor. And not to mention, you have to recruit against Florida. You have to recruit against LSU. You have to recruit against Tennessee, who I think is going to be really good in the next few years. My a Miami team. I'm quoting that. I'm quoting that. that oh, that you can. I, think, I yeah. think he's right. It's I think the player. I think the funnier thing is he said you have to recruit against Florida and LSU. Lately, it's kind of like, all right, well. Well, no, I mean, it, well, th- no, it's 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 just hard down here. And the thing is, we got to remember where Auburn pulls their players from. It's that East Georgia and the South Florida. That's where, if you look at Auburn teams that are have gone to SEC championship games, they're built. They built those rosters on those areas, and now those areas are getting a lot harder to recruit due to Mario Cristobal, Billy Napier, Kirby Smart. So Auburn intrinsically, and I will say this, Auburn is the hardest power five job in America. It is from the boosters to the recruiting. Every year you play Georgia, Alabama, Texas A and M, LSU. Tennessee. Yep, I I think that uh, we definitely agree with everything that just was said by Garrett. It all. It's listen. Just hear me out. The culture down there invites people to think that they have more power than they do. If that makes sense. Auburn, you go down there. It's all about family. We're a family. Well, the issue is families are usually dysfunctional, and that's just like <laughs> Auburn. This is a very dysfunctional family who everyone thinks they should be cutting the tur- the turkey at Thanksgiving dinner, and that's not the case. Jimmy Rain should not be- have a hand in that Auburn football building. Brian Harson, even though he was a poor hire in my opinion, should not have be having. Yeah, 
In no, which Ryan Harrison should also not have a hand in that football. He shouldn't, going. but you're just looking at this Auburn roster. It's not now. much better. It's not much better. I still have concerns about that offensive line. They didn't add anything big time. In the, no portal additions for the offensive line. They're bringing back guys who were just intrin- just not good football players on the line. Receivers, they have a deficiency there. They have some transfer from Coy Moore from LSU. And then I think they have um, Bo, ja- Bo Jackson's nephew, who was decent last year returning. He'll be okay. But overall, lack of talent at the receiver room. Running backs, Tank Bigsby and everyone else. Bigsby, though, I think is the most overrated fo- football player in college, football player in all of college football right now. I think he's just a little overrated. And also is the reason why Alabama beat them this past year in Jordan-Hare. Their defense can be good. But thing is, in today's era, football does just playing defense is not enough. You have to have the offensive power. You know, you can hold Bama to 24 points and Bryant Denny, but if you've only scored six, it doesn't matter when matter when the final whistle's blown. Uh, I'm just going to point out here that Tyler Van Dyke, quarterback at Miami, is so far and away the most overrated player in college football that that uh, it's not it's not it's not Quinn Ewers. Quinn Ewers. Uh, well, Quinn Ewers still has like recruiting hype. It's not really yeah. overrated because he's never played. It's Tyler Van Dyke played for a grand total of seven games, and people are talking about him like he's QB one, and he's not. He's really not. No. He's not on my Heisman ballot, but I like him. <laughs> Uh, I also don't think that it's fair to say Tank Bigsby is overrated just because I think surviving at Auburn, just surviving at this yeah. point, is actually like qualifies you as like being like, oh, like you're doing a pretty good job. It's like, hard, but the thing is, he deals with so many injuries. He's going to be out for at least four games this year because he can't keep it either. He breaks a rib or whatever. He's a, he's not a bad run. He, his first year, I thought he was one of my actually one of my favorite players this year just because how he ran, but just injuries and just his personality and just some of his media stuff. I'm just, I think he's overrated and I, I don't. I'm just not a fan, personally. Garrett, I'm going to give you a hint. Since you're still like a young, a young man uh, with some pliability in your body, uh, if I had a choice between playing for 2022 Auburn or sitting out the year, rehabbing and working out and getting ready to be a late-round draft pick in the 2023 NFL draft, I know which one of those two I'm taking. You want the latter. second one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be conveniently injured for like nine games. Yeah. yeah. Remember when Jadavian Clowney uh, just really had a lot of injury concerns that, that, uh, that redshirt. An extra year. Yeah. yeah that we made him play. That we made, or right. He was a redshirt sophomore or true junior. And we were all like, he should be here. This is good for everybody. <laughs> it's well, like, no, it's not. You know, the crazy thing about Auburn this year though, like look at their schedule. Their first Five games are very winnable, in my opinion. And then they, they can win their first five games, be 5-0 and oh, heading into Georgia. Do you think that they can beat Penn State? No, no, they won't. But I'm just saying that's still, that's a pot. I'll say this. Okay. You never know what happens in Jordan-Hare. I would not put oh, money on it. Oh, it's at Jordan-Hare. Okay, It's fine, at Jordan-Hare. So yeah, it's, it's weird. Uh, yeah. wait, wait, I have to correct something. You said Jordan-Hare. Auburn fans get very upset if you do not say their stadium correctly. It's Jordan-Hare. It's, it's sure. a very southern way of pronouncing Jordan, but it's Jordan-Hare. So, okay, uh, so as a, the, the, as podcast, the, official, the official podcast stance is that it is Jordan Hare. All <laughs> y'all can suck it. Uh, um, officially, it is Jordan as in Michael, me, Auburn. Hare, Hare as in rabbit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's just they have a hard schedule. I think they lose Penn State. I think LSU's a close one. They may squeak, they may squeak that out, but they're not going to go to Georgia, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Bama and win. I just don't see them being a road team that does anything this year. They have Arkansas at home, but I think Arkansas is going to be the third best, second best team in the West. I think they lose that. A&M, that's a toss-up because I don't think A&M's that good this year, to be honest. Any year? Any yeah, year? I mean, they're an 8-4 <laughs> team, as Ezra said lovingly in Alexi Lila's um, Twitter space. So. <laughs> that, was, that was a fun moment. When, when that I, was a uh, very fun moment. 
So for the, those of you listeners who don't know this, uh, Alexi Lala, soccer commentator, he does like uh, Twitter spaces all the time. I, I, I go on there every now and then. Uh, and the guy before me talking was Texas A&M fan. We were talking soccer. And I ended my, my thing with uh, congratulations to guy before me uh, on Texas A&M's forthcoming eight and four year because uh, Texas A&M always goes eight and four. It's what they do. They're not very good at football. Um, but they spend a lot of money on it. It's almost like they're like Texas, sort of. Who's to say uh, yeah. they're similar? <laughs> Texas a- Aggies and Auburn fans, if you guys have any issues with anything we're saying on this podcast, please at Christian underscore Mamba, K-R-I-S-H-A-N <laughs> underscore M-A-M-B-A two four on Twitter. Let him know that you don't agree with us. Anyways, so that's Auburn. Uh, and because this is a uh, efficient podcast in which we're going to get through everyone on the SEC and um you know, we're going to do it within an hour because we are uh, <clears throat> a half hour into this and we've gotten through one and a half teams because let's be honest, we have not talked a lot about Vanderbilt football. I don't think we said a player name, which is sort of the point. Anyways, my turn. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to uh, try to get through what I know about uh, this next school. Um, they're the other MSU. And that's why I'm going to talk about them because everybody knows here. I'm a, I'm a Michigan state fan, the true MSU. When people talk about state, they're talking about Michigan State. But there's this other little MSU team that, um, how do I put this? You know when your, like, nephew or kid, or depending on how old you are, younger brother, who's, like, eight, plays Madden, and they get bored running the ball, and they just throw the ball every single time, and they're like, but it's more fun this way. And they, yeah, they'll catch you a couple times, but mostly they're just throwing interceptions. And at a certain point, you're like, I don't really want to play against you anymore because you also have a weird fascination with pirates. And like, I get it. You're, you're 10. You really like pirates. And, and two years ago, you really liked dinosaurs. And two years from now, you're going to be really into Jordan Peterson and right wing YouTube. But, but, but for now, you're really into pirates and throwing the ball every down. I just don't really want that much to do with you. That's Mississippi State. Garrett, any thoughts? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if okay. I can sum it up much better than that. <laughs> I mean, Mississippi State's going to be really interesting to watch, actually, this year. I like Will Rogers. I think their quarterback, um, I think he's a pretty good quarterback. I think he'll actually surprise people as being one of the better quarterbacks, top half quarterback in the SEC. Um, they have a really good, they have a receiver. I can't remember the first name for some reason, but McCoy, very good, very good receiver as well, who will probably push for 1,100 yards. Listen, they're not going to win many games. I have them around six and six, seven and five, kind of in that range. But you know what? You're never gonna have a. You're never gonna not gonna have a fun time watching Mississippi State. The air rate. And it's gonna be one game a year where they just score 65 on a team. I remember the first game of the 2020 season against LSU. They caught LSU off guard. You know, coming off a championship brilliant. year. It was brilliant. KJ Costello for Heisman posts were made on Twitter. It was incredible. And it was such a sickos mode game. It was sick sickos committee game. But yeah, I mean, Mississippi State. It's just how. What is their end goal? That's what they really need to decide. Are they cool with being a seven and five, eight and four team, or do they kind of want to get back to where they were with Dan Mullen, where you know they're at times in the playoff hunt? And I, I obviously don't see that with I don't I don't see that with their current administration, current staff, to be honest. Likely, just they're, really their goal. Yeah, their goal is just to fuck with fuck with uh, Lane Kiffin. Just so, so yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you guys are are aware of um, like uh, like certain tropes in. Uh, Native American stories, but there's a character usually uh, who's a fox or a coyote, and that fox or coyote is like um, Loki, right? In in Norse mythology, just like a trickster there to mess with the story and 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 give you a 
uh, some sense of getting the plot forward while also not really helping. Mike Leach is that coyote. He's not here. Mississippi State is that coyote. They're not here to win games. They're not here to challenge for things. And they're not here to suck. They are here once a year to do something that makes you think, oh, that was so dumb. And usually, usually it's in the Egg Bowl, but occasionally it's not. Usually it's the Egg Bowl, occasionally not. Um, sometimes it works out. Sometimes it works out. But sometimes. Do you know who? I, have them. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I, I have them, I have them winning, winning at least one game this year that they're not supposed to. Uh, I, f- I feel like they're good for they're good for one win where you're like, how did they how did they get through that? How did they win that? They did it last year against Auburn. They yeah. had that game where they came back twenty eight to three. Um, many Falcon fans around me are probably kicking, screaming, crying. Me even saying that but they had the twenty eight to three game, and that was the game I believe Bo Nix ended up breaking his leg, which was the downfall of that season. I would like everybody very quickly, if they can, uh, before we go to uh, commercial break, which is what we're going to do now. Uh, I would like you all to look at October 15th for the game that Mississippi State becomes the main character on Twitter. And I want you to look at the team that they're playing's schedule before then, and then we will all convene on October 15th. But before we convene on October 15th, let's talk about Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, Mississippi State is ruining Kentucky's undefeated season, and it's going to be funny. No, you're wrong. You're, you're wrong. You're wrong. You know who they're. You know who. You know what date we need to look at? November twelfth, because that's going to be the fun. <laughs> you're actually all wrong. It's October eighth, South Carolina, baby. Uh, yeah. No, you can't. You can't ruin South Carolina's season. Only South Carolina can ruin South Carolina's season. That's true. That's true. There are rules. Okay, Josh. <laughs> And, and Georgia's season. South Carolina can ruin their yeah. own season and Georgia's season. That's it. That's all they're right. allowed. And, and and every like 15 years, I feel like, and I just because I, I don't remember the last time it happened, but every like 10 to 15 years, South Carolina gets like a little happy with itself. And Steven Garcia rolls through the door and, and, and Clemson is like feeling good. And then something dumb happens in which uh, that's great. I miss Steven Garcia. I don't know why I, I glamped onto him as like a quarterback of, of, 15 to 20 years ago, but well, I hope you know, I was at South Carolina in 2010 when Alabama got steamrolled by Steven Garcia and Alshon Jeffrey. Great, and great I walked game. back crying. I was 10 years old. I was walking back. <laughs> you say, were you like 10? Yeah, I was 10 years old. So leave me, leave, why are you attacking me? If I'm for my age, I can't help it. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's yeah, that game, the Steven Garcia, Alshon Jeffrey game um, was the origin of the, the, the theory of how you actually beat Bama. Um, luck. It's not, no, 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 it's not dumb luck. It actually, there actually is a formula and it's 
you have an, a, a, a uh, first round, first round draft pick at wide receiver and Bama has corner has uh, doesn't have a corner who can stand up one-on-one because then Saban has to shift his defense and then things break. Um, so the actual answer is, is if you have, if you have Alshon Jeffrey or you have, I don't know, um, Mike Evans, Mike Evans is a good example. Uh, Justin Ross before he got hurt was a good example. Um, that's, that's it. Running backs can't do it. And it's, um, and you need say you're also forgetting. There you go. You're forgetting another important part of this. It's, uh, it's not just the first round, uh, wide receiver. It is also the quarterback that is so chaotic that even his coaches don't know what he's about to do. That is the other part of this that yes. Chaos quarterback is the other way to do this. Um, Manziel and Steven. Yes. Steven Garcia, Garcia, Johnny Manziel, uh, Bo Nix, all of them in the same breath. Stetson Uh, Bennett. Nobody knows what the fuck he's going to do. Yeah. Stetavius Bennett Uh, now with the haircut and everything. Come on. Yeah. It's amazing how much less like a dork he looks like with the haircut. Oh, he looks so much better. He Um, looks so much like a man. It's great. Yeah. We're, we're really proud of you, Bennett, the fourth. Um, but, uh, but so we're, we're going to kick it over to Josh here. And um, instead of going through the entire SEC, um, we're not going to do that because I'm going to be honest here. Uh, the prospect of spending more than three minutes talking about um, LSU right now is just super boring. And as much as we like Marcus Freeman, we hate Brian Kelly. So um, all I hope for LSU is that you get exactly what you deserve. LSU, every year, I hope you get precisely what you deserve. And I, I, and I want you to take that to heart. I'm saying this as, as someone who can do that fake, like the fake Southern nice thing and the fake Midwestern nice thing, they're cousins who don't see each other because, you know, obviously. But um, I, I'm just hoping from the bottom of my heart, LSU and Brian Kelly, you get precisely what you deserve on a cosmic scale, both of you at the same time. Josh, how do you feel about Kentucky? <laughs> um, Kentucky Fried Chicken is actually overrated, I think. Um, I, I, I've had much better, much better fried chicken. Um, but, uh, in regards to, in, in regards to their football team, um, I don't know, I don't know, um, a whole lot about Kentucky. I do know that, like, they've kind of been, like, um, a middle of the road, you know, team in the SEC. Sometimes they're at the bottom, sometimes, like, you know, they're, um, you know, they're, trying to compete um they do have good athletes every now and then um but in in regards to like what they're going to do this season um i'm going to guess and say that you know they're going to have one of their better seasons and be you know competitive um and uh i'm going to need y'all to tell me if i'm right or wrong on this uh i i will just point out very quickly that um uh, the most important thing to mention when talking about kentucky football is that um, Kentucky football fans don't care about Kentucky football uh, is, is an important thing to remember. So you can say whatever you want about them, as long as you don't point out that uh, John Calipari is not actually a good in-game coach. And when he doesn't have uh, five top 10 recruits, he doesn't make the NCAA tournament. I was going to say, like, if they don't care about football, do they care about basketball? Because their basketball team's not that good either. <laughs> See, that's that's what I'm looking for. That's the type of you fire I'm at for. Christian Mamba. All right. <laughs> 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 uh, so, Garrett, why don't you talk to me about Chris Rodriguez Jr.? 
you know, Chris, he's honestly probably my outside of Jamar Gibbs, probably the number two, one of the top backs in the SEC comes back with over about 1100 yards. If I'm correct. Over 10 touchdowns, a great player, 12 touchdowns, excuse me, no, 1200 yards, eight touchdowns, 1200 yards, eight touchdowns. The thing is, it's been funny. You know, you talk about the East. Some people want to make a sexy pick and say, oh, South Carolina is going to win it or Tennessee. Well, a lot of people talk well about Kentucky. Not a lot of people actually expect Kentucky to – okay, shut up. Not a lot of people actually expect Kentucky to do much this year. And I kind of fall in that camp. I think Will Levis is a guy who's getting hyped around first-round pick. And I'm going to go ahead and call my shot before it happens. Will Levis is going to be the Carson Strong of this 2000 – of this 2022 I think he's the most, I think he's incredibly overrated. He didn't show he's a, he's a, he didn't show he's a big time prospect against Georgia. And if you're going to be a big time guy in the SEC, you have to win those games and put your team on your back. You know, sometimes you have to be the Greg Jennings running down the le- the right side of the field with a broken leg. Now, I don't see that out of Will Levis. He can eat all the mayonnaise, you know, infused, ke- <laughs> you know, coffee he wants. He's not that guy though. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Eight, but I do think they're an eight and four team just because of how the East is very, once you get from Georgia to the rest, it's a very big drop off. But I still, I still see him going eight and four and having a decent type of season where they go to the Gator Bowl or whatever and play in a warm weather against the Big Ten team and beat up on him. And be like, oh, next year's our year. Mark Stoops, he's having a good time. You know, he's confident, he's happy. But I just don't see them being some Nash, some you know, East contender. I don't see them beating Georgia. I don't see them beating Tennessee. South Carolina's be a heck of a game. I don't see him being South Carolina. I just don't. Who's the funniest team that Kentucky could beat in the Gator Bowl? From like a from a, like a, a meltdown perspective, because Michigan, it's not Michigan, it's, Michigan, one hundred percent, because Michigan's going to have a foul. Because Michigan's one of those teams that's going to that you know made the playoffs last year, excellent season, and then it kind of falls off the cliff theoretically. You know, eight four seasons not good, obviously for Michigan, and then lose to lose to Kentucky, and then everyone would be calling for for um, Harbaugh's head. I mean, that'd be the funniest, undoubtedly. Jim Harbaugh, Northern Gus Malzahn slash Mark Richt, constantly on the hot seat. Constantly on the hot seat. See, that might be the most mean thing you could say to someone. To be honest, it's it's up there. Um, the, the the Mark Richt is on the hot seat thing. Is is I actually I don't guarantee I don't know if you're old enough for that. Um, because for I about am. yeah okay because for about 15 years on yeah. college football internet, the joke was just like Mark Richt will win 11 games and somehow Georgia will yeah, want bro. him out. It was it's it's delightful. I miss Mark Richt on the hot seat. Um, it's. It's the it's the Bo Pelini situation. It's like, oh, you guys have gone nine and four for half a decade, and you think you can do better. You think you can do better in the two thousands? Good luck with that. And then they go except like Georgia to eleven. Except Georgia did. Georgia yep. did actually think do better. The difference between Bo Pelini and Mark Richt is that um, Mark Richt is Air. like by all account well that. But by all accounts, Mark Richt is like just like a really good person. He is an excellent human being. Yeah. Like just like a really good person. Like the, the the hottest take I've ever seen him give was that he um he believes that uh the proper way to cut a sandwich is not triangular. Um he there was an SEC network game in which it was you know one of those like UL Monroe versus Alabama, right? Where 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 Bama always wins, right? Like Bama's never lost to UL Monroe. I don't like this. I don't like, I don't like this. I don't like this content right now. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like this discussion. I'm going to, I'm going to, re- I'm going to sit back on this one. <laughs> but the point is, is that he, he was talking about the proper way to, to eat, cut and eat a sandwich. And if it sounds like I'm talking about food a lot today, psh, that's weird. I don't know why I'd be doing that today. Um, anyways. Uh, okay. Um, again, because I am, Oh, it's also worth mentioning here that Mark Stoops is um, one of the Stoops brothers. 
Um, and so anytime he has a good year and Iowa has a bad year, there will be people in Iowa who say, maybe it's time for Kirk Ferentz to leave because they don't understand how buyouts work. Um, Kirk Ferentz is never leaving. He's going to be the head coach at Iowa forever. But there will be people who say like, oh, will Mark Stoops come back to Iowa because Bob Stoops went there? And the answer is no, he will not because well, you, you got to remember to Iowa. Mark Stoops has the best job in college football. He legit is a, he can do almost anything. He went, I believe the COVID year, I think they went four and six, not a good year by Kentucky standards. And they were like, yeah, we love you, Mark. Like, we'll, we'll give you an extension, man. Like we'll build you a brand new facility. Like he has the best job. He can go seven and five, eight and four and have the the job the rest of his life. Greatest job in the world. He's been, he's been the head coach there for nine years. He's 59 and 53. I can think of exactly one other SEC school where you could go 59 and 53. That's not in conference. That's including the four other games that you get 59 and 53. And not only does he keep his job, people are like, wow, give him a raise. Give him a raise. And it's like, <laughs> I think, I think Kentucky, like, I, I'm not going to mock people for having self awareness. And they have self awareness. Like, they look at, the, <clears throat> excuse me, Kentucky people have self awareness in football. They have self-awareness in football, nothing else in football. Um, but, but they, they like, they know, like, it's like, what's our best case scenario. Your best case scenario is the citrus bowl. Okay, great. And that's cool. still a good nine and three, that's eight awesome. and four season. That's still yeah, very good. I've heard of that bowl. Yeah. It's like, what's your worst case scenario? Missing a bowl game. Is that okay? Well, was it five and seven? <laughs> <laughs> like five and seven and missing a bowl game. Uh, okay. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Maybe he but, just needs a few more years on his contract. Yeah. Right. He just needs, he just needs his guys. Um, I actually, I'm super pissed at Kentucky because they, they got a five-star offensive tackle last year who um, according to friend of the pod, Justin Thandover at 24 seven, um, like he announced that he was going to Kentucky like three different times. And the reason why is because every single time he did it, he like that night would get on the phone with Mel Tucker and be like, I don't want to. And Mel Tucker would be like, you can come to Michigan State. And then in the morning, he would talk to his mother about it. And his mother was like, no. (laughs) And so in two years, when Keontae Goodwin enters the transfer portal and ends up in Michigan State, that's why. Anyways, um, so I'm, again, because I am a nice person and I am a, uh, no, I'm usually not, but I, but but I I don't have the focus to make the normal jokes that I do. Um, Stumpy, you get Oxford. Have fun. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> this, okay. Uh, this is, you know, the uh, sleeper pick to win the SEC just because I want to see absolute chaos. I'm not, I don't actually care whether or not. I just think that I subscribe to the shutdown forecast theory that the only thing motivating Lane Kiffin in life right now is how to annoy Nick Saban more. And I think that the way to annoy Nick Saban the most is for his dumbass frat boy, former protege to somehow 70 points per game his way into an SEC title, which I am ecstatic for. That's all I got. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. It's, it's worth noting here. Again, this is like the factual part, not the analysis part. Um, Ole Miss is essentially last year's USC's offense um, with TCU's former running back. Zach Evans, I'm not going to talk about the rumors around Zach Evans because, um, well, but TCU's former running back is really, really good at running the ball. Uh, Josh, I'm, I assume you watched some Zach Evans, so you can you can opine on that. But um, Ole Miss currently has Jackson Dart and Michael Trigg, and the theory is that um, between the two of them, they can muster up an, a passing offense, and Lane Kiffin can sort of game it out. But Zach Evans is really good at playing running back. 
Yeah, I mean, the, he's very good. I mean, he obviously had an insane recruitment that where he visited 20 different schools, Ole Miss included in that. I I, I just don't know where I feel about this Ole Miss team yet. Ole Miss, this Ole Miss team, I feel like it either be four and eight or once again, 11 and one and win the SEC just because there's so much mystery there. We don't know what Jackson Dart's going to look like in this offense. I know it's going to be fun. I just don't know if it's going to be good. There's a clear difference there. Yeah. I I really they love have a super light let schedule too. I mean, they if you do. look at their schedule, they don't play a serious team. If you assume Kentucky is not a serious team, which is a fair assumption, they don't play a serious team until uh, they go to Kentucky. That. They play Kentucky in t- October 1st. Yeah, but like outside of like they, they go oh. basically through October before they play someone real. I think there's a chance and this is what's going to be so intriguing about the West. I think there's a chance that in mid-October, we're going to have three undefeated teams with Alabama, Arkansas, and Ole Miss. I mean, Arkansas, Ole Miss, I think there's a chance November 12th, they're still undefeated, only having to really play A&M, LSU, Auburn, and Kentucky. There's a big chance that they're undefeated or only just with one loss. I think, you know, if we want to rank it at the scale of what, who can beat Bama, I have Ole Miss number two on that, on that ranking throughout the entire season because there's just so much mystery, and this is the type of team that would beat Alabama. I'm going to undermine you for a second and I'm going to undermine the theory of why they can beat Alabama uh, with three words. Okay. The first two make it a lot harder. The third softens it a little bit. Okay. The first word, Charlie, the second word, Weiss, the third word junior granted is their offensive coordinator, but they do have a Charlie Weiss on staff. And I like, I just, I just don't know how, how that goes having a Charlie Weiss on staff. I will say this. I will say this though. It's Lane Kiffin's offense, Charlie Weiss on stat. Yeah. But the thing is with Lane Kiffin, if you go back and watch the last two times they played Alabama, the 2020 year, which was weird. And then this past year, which was an incredible game from a Bama perspective, he calls them very emotionally. Like I remember the first drive, they go down there, they get to about the 40 yard line, fourth and seven. He's going for it. The running play down the left side. Like, what do you like that? What are you doing? No, this is not how you beat Bama. Like, no, don't do that. And so like, I, I, while I think they have a chance to beat Bama, like it just depends on what Lane Kiffin goes out there. If he's going to go out there laser focused, there's a chance. But if he goes out there emotional, like he was last year, there's no chance because then if your head coach is an emotional wreck on the sideline, how do you, how do you respond to that as an 18 year old kid, you know, making $2,000 of the NIL deal? You you can't, you know, your child still. Yeah, that's fair. Counterpoint, what happens if your coach on the sidelines has the exact same maturity level as you, in which case then you just bond and you're like, no, let's fuck these guys up. Well, it's, because- it's, it's more that becomes an intramural rec game with like some fraternities and like a few like natty lights on the side like that. That's what that kind of devolves into. But the issue is when you're standing across the sideline from Nick Saban, it doesn't really matter because it's not, you know, Joe Schmo from Louisiana, who's an ATO. Yeah, you can't prove to me that those water bottles don't have natty lights in them. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, um, Kamchatka vodka. Um, oh gosh. <laughs> um, so, so we're gonna talk. We're we're gonna sort of speed through the other teams here before we get to the the sort of the in the last ten minutes. We'll we'll talk about the the meat of the uh, the SEC actually. But um, can you can you think of a worse marriage of offensive coordinator and head coach from a stylistic perspective than Sam Pittman and Kendall Bryles? no because that makes no sense to me that's the type of shit that you do in video games because it doesn't actually matter who your offensive coordinator is um kendall bryles and sam Pittman, i i don't understand like i don't i don't understand (laughs) i mean arkansas is good i just don't i don't get it 
I think what it is, is that Pittman knows that he is, you know, he's the hog molly up front guy. He's the guy who loves the, you know, the six, five, 320 pound kid. He can relate to him, but he can't relate to the speedy five, 10, 175 pound receiver. So that's where you have to realize that you're where your deficiencies are, not only in recruiting, but evaluating and also just like coaching up. And that's where I think Browse comes in. I think it's actually a perfect marriage and because it's so weird, you know, opposites attract. And I think that's maybe, maybe it. You know, it's funny. I actually have them beating Alabama this year. I, if, you know, Bama just loses one game a year, I have Arkansas being that team because KJ Jefferson is back. I love KJ Jefferson. Got to watch him in person last year. And out of all the quarterbacks I saw play against Alabama, he was probably my number one, the number one guy. I thought he went out there with so much charisma and so much just, just he played with emotion, but not emotional. And I loved it. I think Arkansas is a team. Coming back, they have a decent defense, nothing crazy, but good enough to get the job done. They're going to have some weapons on the outside. Running back's a little bit of a concern, but we'll see their kind of, you know, touch and go, Get we'll figure out there. They have, one of the, they have, in my opinion, the most interesting schedule in the SEC, playing Cincinnati, playing their former coach at, Miss, at Missouri State, which, I, which Bobby Petrino's there, which will be insane, and then going over to that'll Provo. Yeah, that'll be incredibly fun. And then going over October 15th at BYU and then playing Liberty. So just an overall, a really interesting, very, very weird, but I love it. I love, I love sicko type schedules. And this is a hundred percent that, you know, I have them going nine and three and possibly 10 and two. I see them being a, I see them being a borderline New Year's six team. Arkansas uh, is about to go hog, pardon the pun, but a hog wild on all of the various Christian sects. Uh, yeah, they, they, they've got, yeah. I mean, they, they, they go to BYU, they got Liberty. The, I don't know if Cincinnati is the home of any specific Northern sect, but it would make sense to me. Um, it's probably worth noting here that KJ Jefferson weighs more than um, Arkansas's tight end. I, 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 there's no further joke to that. It's just <laughs> weird. Um, all right. Let's talk about the other teams here. Uh, South Carolina, Spencer Rattler's there. Nobody cares. Um, Florida, Anthony Richardson's there. Nobody cares. Um, Tennessee, you suck. I promised. I, 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 hold on. I, hold on. Let me do this real quick. Let me do this real quick. Uh, just give me a second. Okay. Um, <clears throat> for those of you who are not super online, Tennessee and Michigan State are currently in like a, a, a pissing match because Michigan State has won like two or three recruits in a row over, uh, over Tennessee, which like is not supposed to happen um, because Tennessee – uh, thinks itself as a national championship caliber program because um, they believe that things that happened a quarter of a century ago are relevant. They're not. Um, Garrett was not alive, I believe, the last time Tennessee won a title. Um, I was not, no. Yeah. Uh, you know, Peyton Manning is not walking through that door. Um, nobody on it, like, like you look at Tennessee, and I, I know that Tennessee wants to say to itself that it's a serious place. It's not. You're not good. You've got nothing. You're winning nothing. You cannot spell citrus without UT. All right. Missouri plays in the SEC. Okay. Um, wait, do you not know? Stumpy, you're giving me a look like you don't know that Steve Spurrier one time said you cannot spell citrus without UT. <laughs> uh, or that's, um, why the, that's why he should be uh, replacing Corso on game day. Correct. Also, it's, it's also worth noting um, that uh, Spur, just since we're going to talk about Spurrier for a second, um, Spurrier's uh, comment when Peyton Manning came back to school saying, I get it. I mean, who wouldn't want to be a four-time champion of the Citrus Bowl? 
is one of my favorite <laughs> quotes of all time uh, because Peyton Manning was 21 at the time and Steve Spurrier was a full-grown adult. <laughs> Before NIL, when these kids are making money and with social media, just yep. body bag the kid. Just body bag the kid. Fine. Uh, all right. I'll give you one thing, Tennessee. Hendon Hooker is um, good. I, I think he's good. Texas A&M, you're also in the SEC for some reason. I, I don't know. Uh, sorry, Jimbo. Sorry, Jimbo. I would never say something like, Texas A&M and um, SEC in the same words, because I know that the Securities and Exchange Commission deals with financial matters. And I would never, never say anything about Texas A&M as it relates to money. There's no money at Texas A&M. Um, everybody goes to East Texas because they want to enjoy the fruits of East Texas and win eight games a year because Texas A&M um, wins all the time, right? Okay, fine. Um, very good. Uh, all right, so Georgia and Bama. Um, Garrett, I, I know I'm, I'm going to give you a, some, some monologue space for, for Bama, who, who I believe everybody here believes will win the SEC, because why would you pick anybody else? Um, Ole Miss. Yeah. Screw you guys. <laughs> um, uh, so, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little bit about Georgia for a second here. Um, Georgia's really good, and they're not getting worse. Um, their best player is a sophomore and a cornerback. I think Kaylee Ringo is – Kaylee Ringo is weird because Kaylee Ringo is um, a Bama corner. Like, I understand he plays for Georgia, but he is, like, the guy who, like, beats out a, a redshirt junior to be your starting cornerback by the middle of the season so that he can be the starter in the in the um, playoffs and in the title game. Like, that's that's Bama. Um, and the fact of the matter is, is that as, as, as much as we want to joke about Stetson Bennett, like, he's a national championship winning quarterback. Um, the defense will take a step back because how can it not? Um, George Pickens being gone matters a lot more to me than apparently it does to other people. Um, but but uh, the tight end whose name I constantly forget, um, 19. Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers yeah. is like, and like, like the same way that Kaylee Ringo is a, a Bama corner. Brock Bowers is a Miami tight end. And I use that from like 20 years ago, right? Like, like when it was like Kellen Winslow or Jeremy Shockey or Greg Olson. Like Brock Bowers looks like that where you're like, I can do nothing against this. This is a problem and I cannot fix it. Um, so I think Georgia, I think Georgia is going to be successful in the sense that um, they'll be 10 and two, 11 and one. Um, I could see them, them. Um, I could see them actually losing against Oregon. I don't think they will. I wouldn't bet on it. I'm not picking it, but I, I could see that being a situation coming off of a national championship um, and, and going up against a chaos quarterback I can see it happening. And your former defensive coordinator who understands what you're supposed to like. It, it has the makings of a, of a weird game, even though it's a home game. I mean, it's a neutral site game, guys. Guys, the game between Georgia and uh, Oregon is a neutral site game. It's yeah. at um, yeah. Atlanta is basically Atlanta is basically Bryant Denny East at this point. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia will be the neutral site game between the University of Oregon and Georgia. All right, Garrett, tell us about Bama. So Bama coming off a rebuilding year 11 and two, you know, only going, only going to the national championship game, you know, also whatever. Won the SEC. Also won the SEC. Yes. And one of the craziest nights of my life, considering Alabama also beat Gonzaga that same night. So that was a fun night at the lodge, but this Alabama team comes back with obviously the Heisman winning trophy, Heisman trophy winning quarterback, Bryce Young. That's where it kind of starts. Who's five foot team. nine. Who is, no, he is, he is, He's listed at six foot in the <laughs> roster. I've stood by him, and I, I'm not a tall guy. I'm five six on a good day, five seven on a really good day. 
and he was he was barely pushing above me. So the guy is like Kyler Murray level of height gate when he goes out <laughs> to the track. Like, it's going to be incredible. But coming I'm really off, looking I'm, forward to that. Oh, it's going to be Twitter's going to be awful. But um, 4,800 yards passing over nearly over 50 touchdowns. I mean, the kid. I mean, he's so charismatic. He's so smart. So just everything you want in a quarterback. But who's he going to be throwing to? That's my biggest question. That's my biggest question about this Alabama football team is who is he going to throw to? So let's talk about that. They have guys like Harold coming in from Louisville who had over about 800 yards last season, absolute speed demon. Some people want to compare him to Jameson Williams. I wouldn't say he's that fast, but I've heard really good things about him overall from the few days of fall camp they've had. Treshawn Holden's returning. I'm excited to see what Holden looks like. Obviously, though, losing John Mechie, I think John Mechie, Jameson Williams is a big deal. But what's the tight end situation look like? Cameron Latou is going to be out for the first few weeks of this of the um, preseason. Will he be able to make it in for the first game of the season? We'll see. I don't know if he's much needed against Utah State, but once again, we'll see. Ja-Cory I mean, that's Bur- the that's the biggest non-conference game Alabama has this year. Like the I game, mean, they'll probably would... have the best record, honestly, for being. I mean, I, fair. I think that that the team that Alabama should be most worried about losing to in their non-conference is actually Utah State. I'm, I'm not kidding. For, for the record, I know that I'm supposed to be joking about Texas, like, ha, 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 tech, no, no, like I'm actually not kidding. I, I actually think Utah State is better than Texas. I think I, I wouldn't be far off from where you're thinking is. I, I agree. I, but, I mean, the thing is, tight ends could be one because they lost Julio Billingsley, probably for the best, though, because Billingsley's kind of making a fool of himself, apparently, out of Texas. Jojo Earl returns. You have guys like um, – you have Ty Bellis-Jones. You have also the other transfer from Georgia, Jermaine Burton, who will be a big part of the offense, even though I think he's not as good as people make him out to be, to be honest. I'm not the biggest Jermaine Burton fan, but I think that's going to be really interesting. But where people are not talking about, people are talking about a little, but Bryce Young is obviously one of the best quarterbacks in college football, but Bama also has quietly one of the best running backs groups in college football. You have... They have the best running back in college football. And it pissed me off to hell because we... we, like so, So again, talking about him, when he came out, um, there was a lot of smoke about Jameer Gibbs going to state because oh, wow. because when Kenneth Walker did what he did, apparently Gibbs's camp was like, do it. Well, shit. Yeah. Like, we'll do the exact same thing. And then Nick Saban made a call and then, you know. Yeah. I mean, the conversation <laughs> was over. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, though, you got to remember, he also was recruited pretty heavily by Bama. Bama wanted him back in the day before they took Jason McClellan on signing day from Oklahoma. Jason McClellan, another guy returning because he's be very good. Roy Dell Williams coming from Hueytown, Alabama, had a good season until he broke his leg. We had like three guys break their legs last season, which was just like one of those weird sicko things where like we had Brian Robinson, Trey Sanders, and then we had a converted running back or converted linebacker playing running back last year. So fun times. But I think I think running backs are obviously going to be one of the best in the country. Line is a concern, though. The area, the line is a concern. The interior will be fine. I think the interior should be good. But they're going to kick J.C. Latham out to right tackle, which I still have some concerns about, even though he's a five-star guy. You know, sometimes these kids still need a little bit more time in the oven. He might be, need that. And then Tyler Steen coming from Vanderbilt. You know, sure, he's, you know, a esteemed, you know, transfer portal kid, but, you know, still worrisome coming from Vanderbilt. You never really know. Defense might, this might be one of the best defenses in the Saban era. And I don't say that lightly. This might rival with the 2011, 2009 defense in 2016, which should have won a championship had Jalen Hurts had any clock awareness, but this, but this defense is stuff happens, you know, but Will Anderson's kind of the main showcase guy. Will Anderson coming off a 17 sack season. I mean, should have probably been should, in my opinion, I would have have won the Heisman. He should have won a Heisman. I'm going to go and say it. He should. He meant more to the Alabama than Bryce Young did. No disrespect to Bryce, but Will Anderson. Was... 
like the thing is like like if you, if you talk about like just not to relitigate that because we talked about that a ton because of the whole um Aiden Hutchinson Aiden Hutchinson bullshit thing yeah. Um, and like, like my whole argument was like, Kenneth Walker deserves to be there, uh, over Aiden Hutchinson and Aiden Hutchinson, like there is no universe in which he deserves to be there. Cause he's not the best player at his own job. Right. Like he wasn't the best edge. Um, that was Will Anderson either, either by talent or by production. But, um, I, I, I suppose like the, the, the takeaway is, is that like Alabama ends up with a Heisman trophy in their showcase regardless. Yeah. Like, I mean. The thing is, the thing is, though, I think there's a chance that Will Anderson doesn't even have the most sacks in this team this upcoming season, and that's not an indictment on him. I just think Dallas Turner, the sophomore from St. Thomas Aquinas, the incredible high school outside of uh, Jacksonville, Florida, I think he's going to be that good. I really like what I saw last season, and especially with people knowing what Will Anderson is, you're going to see double slash triple teams, and that opens up Dallas Turner. That opens up Henry Toa Toa, who'll be manning the anchor, be kind of the anchor guy in the middle. DBs. Almost everyone returns, really losing, honestly, some dead weight who wasn't that good, Jaylor Armour Davis and Josh Job. So, I mean, if anything, I mean, the only place of real concern, once again, would be receivers. And it's always going to be kicking and punting because just Alabama cannot find a good kicker and punter at all times. Even though Will Reichert's decent. Will Reichert, I'll say, has been fairly consistent for the most part, but... Yeah, I want you to say that out loud again. I want you to say Will Reichardt is consistent again. Uh, listen, <laughs> so that when we come it, back here, and I'm going to say it. And he's going to miss the game-winning shot against Arkansas, and I know this is going to be clipped to all get out and freezing cold takes is going to be right down my mentions, and I'm going to have to not be able to leave my apartment for a week and a half. So I'm not going to say that, but he's been fairly keen for Alabama. Um, so I, I think that like that's that's the SEC. Uh, Stumpy has gone on record saying here that um, that he likes Ole Miss. I don't know if that's, that's true. A, Why not? That's a joke. Yeah. All right. Fine. No. Um, yeah, well, I mean, worst case scenario, <laughs> I'm wrong, and Alabama or Georgia wins another title. In which case, it's boring. Best case scenario, I get to dunk on all of y'all in five months. <laughs> so on that, on that same uh, sort of like you don't you don't draft like 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 you don't make bets on the favorite because there's no money in that. Uh, I'm going to take my bet, and I'm going to go uh, right to Arkansas. I actually think like the the like I think that they're going to implode. Like if, if you're actually asking me how I think that they're going to go, I think Kendall Bryles and Sam Pittman are not a good match. I think that Pittman is going to, they're going to get in a tight game and Bryles is going to want to throw the ball and Pittman is going to be running QB power um, because that's who he is as a person. And they're going to get into a fight and it's going to be a whole thing. Um, but if it gels, if it does oh. work, then, then I don't see anybody really, really being as good as Arkansas outside of the obvious top two. Um, I don't think Georgia is going to, is going to win the title this year, just because I think that they're not like in order to, to win the sec title, like you got to be bulletproof a little bit. And I don't think Georgia's bulletproof. I think they're close, but I, I think that they're going to take a step back losing your defensive coordinator and like 15 draft picks is tough. Yeah. I mean, I to kind of piggyback off that. I do. I don't think Georgia's going to win the sec either. I think they're actually going to be in a kind of a tight race against South Carolina. I'm high on Shane Beamer. And I'm telling you this, if, and this is the biggest if in college football this year, if Shane Beamer can kind of corral the ego of um, of the kid from, or excuse me, Spencer Rattler, I don't know why I blanked on his name there. If they can corral the ego of Spencer Rattler, I think they can be a nine and three team, possibly finish second in the East. Now that's a big if, that might be the biggest if in the whole SEC and the all of college football, honestly, but if it can happen, I think they, I think they have the pieces in place. South Carolina is underrated, a very hard place to win. And I've, I can speak from experience being the 10 year old walking out in tears after my number one team 
loses. Okay, but like, are you allowed to have an ego once you transfer from Oklahoma to South Carolina anymore? I don't. Yeah, I, think I mean, you have yeah, to he like, does. Like, turn yeah. that in. Just watching his media stuff, he does. And uh, since this is in a visual medium, you can all see the bet that uh, our good friend Stumpy just placed, uh, which is that he has based placed money on uh, both Ole Miss and Arkansas winning the SEC. So if that happens, it pays out for us. Um, but more more important than anything else is that um, Spencer Rattler having an ego is just incredibly confusing. Um, but uh, good on you, kid. You know, keep your head up. Uh, maybe you'll lose out to another quarterback you shouldn't uh, at, at, at SC. So best of luck to Spencer Rattler um, and all Gamecocks everywhere. Uh, so a special thank you to our, um, to our guest, Garrett. You can find Garrett on Twitter at Garrett Franks. Is that right? I don't have it. Uh, Garrett underscore Franks. Garrett underscore Franks. You can listen to, uh, to Garrett on the Alabama radio station. Um, that would be the number... That'd be WVUA at WVUA FM. This is our student radio station. I'm the sports director there. Um, coming into my senior year at university here. Um, it's been such a fun time. Support student media because they need it, and it's really integral to school. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so is there a website that people not in the Tuscaloosa area can uh, can go to to listen? Yeah, uh, gameday.ua.edu. So gameday.ua.edu. That's where you'll see me writing. That's where you'll see many of my other talented people writing for us. So yeah, follow there. Uh, great. So a uh, special thank you to our panel. Uh, you can find my esteemed co-host, uh, Mr. Mojo Rising 89. That is, uh, that is where you should tweet at him because it turns out he really likes it when people at him, right? Is that correct? Sure do. Definitely I- not going to forward all of those on to Krish. Always. Uh, you can find uh, Josh at Josh Beninock. Um, he's on Twitter as well. You can find me at Diamonds Esquire. Um, I'm also the guy usually behind the main account at TLS underscore N underscore TDS. Um, I'm tweeting about stuff uh, and things. Uh, if you tweet at me um, and it's in good faith, I'll respond. I- I've been saying always that if you tweet at me, I respond. And there's been a lot of stuff that's been been annoying recently. So I'm not <laughs> going to respond to things that are, that are sent to me in, good, in, in bad faith. Like... Um, uh, Asa, why are you so obsessed with Ricardo Pepe? I'm not. I was talking about him. It's not that big of a deal. Um, <laughs> That's not true. He responds to me all the time. And the only thing I send him are statements in bad faith. <laughs> um, so special thank you to our sponsors, the Smith Workforce Management Group, as well as whoever Blue Air decides to put in. Um, we are going to get the Instagram up and running just around the time that Nick Saban is confident in his kicking and punting at the same time. So yeah, look out for that. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Um, uh, please like, subscribe, share, to, uh, tell your friends, tell your local student radio uh, people during their drive when you give them money. Um, obviously, we couldn't and wouldn't do this without you. So thank you so much. And we'll see you next time. Podcast Network.